Today on the Matt Wall Show, Donald Trump is pushing back against mail-in voting because he's concerned about voter fraud. But I think the real problem with mail-in voting and with our system of voting in general is different, though it is far more politically incorrect to discuss. But we'll discuss it today because that's what we do. Also, five headlines, including murderers and other dangerous criminals are now having their cases dropped in Oklahoma after the Supreme Court ruled that wide swaths of the state are Indian territory. So we'll talk about that madness. And in our daily cancellation, we will discuss the pro-lifers who were arrested in D.C. for having a pro-life message, writing a pro-life message in chalk on the sidewalk. Meanwhile, the mayor has had her own preferred political messages painted in huge letters across entire city blocks. Is that not viewpoint discrimination? We'll talk about all of that on the way. But first, the show today is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. You know, business owners know better than I do that Hiring is difficult. Um, it's just very hard to find qualified applicants that will and can perform all of the relevant job duties. And it's probably never been harder than it is right now. And that's why if you're a business owner, you have to take advantage of a service that makes that easier for you. And that's where ZipRecruiter comes in. Uh, if you're a company that's currently trying to, to hire, you're facing new difficulties from safely reopening your doors to finding the right person for a specialized role, in the midst of everything that's happening. And a lot of companies can relate to that. Housing Wire uh, could relate, just one example. They needed to hire an ambitious reporter to cover news stories on the US mortgage and um, housing markets. So they turned to ZipRecruiter to help them out. And ZipRecruiter's smart uh, matching technology finds people you know, with the right experience for your job. And in fact, uh, it, this is how good they are. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Okay, so 24 hours, four out of five are finding someone. That's how Housing Wire found Alexandra Roja, uh, who ended up being exactly what they needed for the job. ZipRecruiter, uh, they were able to, this is what they do. They matched Alexandra to Housing Wire's reporter job because her degree and her writing skills were a great fit for that role. And they've done this, you know, uh, millions of times for many candidates and many, many employers. Housing Wire received her application um, only four hours after they posted the job. And a few weeks later, Alexandra started her dream career. Uh, and this is a story, as I said, that's played out many times. So see how ZipRecruiter can help you hire. Try it now for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Walsh. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Walsh. All right. Um, protests, of course, continued over the weekend. And I feel like I begin every Monday uh, with that sentence. Protests continued. Probably isn't necessary at this point to say it, um, and it probably isn't necessary either to do this, but I will anyway. Here's a very quick montage showing some of what happened uh, in Portland over the weekend. Watch this. Life matter! If that looked like a Bible they were burning, that's because it was a Bible. We have now officially reached the book-burning phase of things. But uh, I suspect that anyone who has remained sympathetic to the protesters through all of this will not be disturbed by, by this development of book-burning. Burning. Um, you know, sure, I'll, I'll align myself with book-burners, no problem, because that always works out well historically, right? Nothing, uh, that, 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 nothing to be disturbed about here. Um, 
But the incident from this weekend that I, I really want to focus on is this little exchange down in Austin. Protesters were once again blocking the roads, just sort of standing aimlessly in the street, as they do, interfering with people's lives simply for the sake of interfering. And then uh, a black man drove up who apparently didn't have time for their nonsense. I got bills, I got kids, I gotta go to work. He raises a good point, doesn't he? And that, and that point again raises a question often posed about these protesters, which is, do these people have jobs? Apparently not. I mean, they're out in the street every single day for weeks on end holding signs. It's hard to see how they could be gainfully employed in the midst of, of all of that. So we have a bunch of people who aren't really contributing to society, who aren't productive adult members of society, but who nonetheless expect us to listen to their political views and take them seriously. My question is, why should we? Why should we take them seriously? Now, granted, the government has put millions of people out of work with a, a series of some of the worst policy decisions we've seen, certainly in modern times anyway. And you could always use that as an excuse for them. It's not their fault that they're unemployed and, and, you know, and um, they, they have nothing else to do. And, and, and that's all goes back to the government, you might argue. But I don't fully buy that excuse. Because for one thing, if you did lose your job because of the lockdowns, I would think you'd probably be spending your time pursuing other job opportunities rather than protesting. But for another, more to the point perhaps, this is not a new thing. The left has a never-ending supply of people who have nothing to do but protest. And this is something that easily predates the, the pandemic, so you can't really blame it on that. How quickly, quickly we all forget it was only back last fall that environmentalist wackos, you remember this? They were, they were doing the same thing all over the country um, and in other countries too. Standing in the middle of the street, blocking traffic, sometimes even blocking trains from going by, commuter trains. This went on for weeks. Um, uh, there was no pandemic. There was no shutdown then. And there wasn't a pandemic or a shutdown back when we had the first round of BLM protests, starting with the uh, justified killing of the violent criminal Michael Brown. So while the shutdowns are no doubt a contributing factor, the fact remains simply that, that shutdowns or no, there is a sizable portion of the American public that apparently can afford to spend their days doing activism because someone else, mommy and daddy perhaps, or Uncle Sam maybe, one of those family members, is supporting them and funding their lifestyles. What we find in that video that I just played and in so many other videos like it that we've seen is the stark divide between, on the one hand, People who have nothing to offer society, who are just standing in the street, getting in everybody's way and calling that activism. And on the other hand, the people who actually keep the country going, the people like that man in the car, the people who pay all the taxes, support families, and do all of the actual work of sustaining and maintaining a human society. Now, I guess we're supposed to believe or pretend to believe that both groups have equally valid and important points of view and that both groups should be listened to and taken seriously, but I disagree. I'm not really interested in what the latter group, in fact, I'm, I should say I'm only really interested in what the latter group, the real grown-ups, have to say. And that brings us to, I think, a related issue, mail-in voting. 
You know, President Trump has obviously been on a tear recently, making a fuss about all the states that are planning to push mail-in voting for the election in November. Uh, the primary concern Trump seems to have about this, uh, the primary concern that, that many on the right have about this, is voter fraud. And I understand that concern. I think that there is validity to it. Um, but I also think that the right-wing obsession with voter fraud kind of misses the point and is, in a way, an easy out a more politically correct route around the real issue with voting and with our democratic process as it currently functions. The real problem with voting, and I've argued this many times, and this is by extension the problem even more so with mail-in voting, is that there are too many people doing it, and it's too easy to do. This has already been the case with voting in general. Mail-in voting will only exacerbate the ever-present problem. If voting is not important enough to you, if it's not enough of a priority to expend any real effort to do it, then you shouldn't be voting at all. Your voice is not needed and would probably do more harm than good in the voting booth anyway. And if you are a non-contributing ignoramus, someone who has no real stake in society and who contributes nothing of substance to it, who is not productive um, and who knows nothing about our system, then you should not be able to participate in it, at least in the capacity of a voter. You know, voting ought to be a privilege reserved for informed, grown-up, contributing members of society. If you aren't paying taxes, then you shouldn't have any say in where tax money, other people's money, goes. And if you are woefully ignorant of even the most basic facts of our system, then you shouldn't be able to, by wandering into a voting booth, or worse, by, by mail from your home, muddy the waters by randomly casting a ballot ignorantly with no idea of what you're even doing. You know, we don't let people drive on highways that way. Why should we let them drive the republic that way? The consequences, after all, are just as dire, if not considerably more so. Now, I wouldn't advocate for taking First Amendment rights away from protesters who are ignorant, non-contributing dummies, as tempting of a thought as that might be at times. No, they have the right to speak their mind, of course. Um, though they don't have the right to do it in the middle of the highway, but and they don't have the right to do it while throwing Molotov cocktails. But my concern is that the attitude we're told we're supposed to have towards these protesters, the idea that their opinion is just as valid as anybody else's, also makes its way into the voting booth. Um, and it shouldn't. You know, if you're not an informed, tax-paying citizen willing to expend a minimal effort to, uh, you know, to register your vote, Minimal effort, meaning just leaving your home on one particular day, going to a polling place and voting, then you shouldn't be allowed to vote. Ignorant, non-contributing, non-productive people can march through the city annoying everyone, as is their right, but they shouldn't have the right to, to dictate the direction of the country via the ballot box. And this is why there should be some very basic restrictions to determine who can vote. Voting should be reserved for people who are tax-paying adults, and adults these days probably means more like 25 instead of 18, uh, with extended adolescence being a real issue as well. So tax-paying adults who can pass a basic sixth-grade civics exam. That's my, that's my proposal. Uh, these would, restrictions would not exclude anyone based on basic facts about their biolo biological identity, which they can't control or change. Obviously, excluding people from voting based on sex, race, ethnicity is wrong and illegal and should be. But excluding people based on behavior and choices is another thing altogether. 
Voting is not a God-given right endowed by the Creator and meant to be shared by all people, no matter what. We already restrict voting based on several factors, and not all factors that actually a person can change. As it stands right now, if you're seven years old, you can't vote. Uh, if you're a convicted serial killer, you can't vote. Most people, now the left is trying to change both, both of those. Okay, they're going way in the other direction. And as always, the left has no problem advocating for things that seem radical. And in fact, are radical until they don't seem radical anymore because they get their way. So they're, 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 they're just going to, they're going to go, you know, they're going to shoot for the mountaintops all the time. And so now there are leftists who, who would say, yeah, oh yeah, convicted serial killers should vote from prison. Um, if they're even in prison, if, they're, if we even keep them in prison at all, uh, children should vote. Maybe eventually the right will learn to, to, to do the same thing. Rather than constantly, you know, move as, as the left moves the culture, moves the, you know, as, they're, as they are advocating for the most extreme leftist position, they move the mainstream position left with them. And what the right always does is they move along with the mainstream position. They always want to stay there in the mainstream. Because they say, well, if, we, if we're too radical, no one's going to listen. But the right should be responding with the opposite. Say, no, 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 no. This is, this is, not, this is not how we, how, how you run a functioning society. By trying to involve literally everyone in the voting process, even to the point where eventually, yes, they're going to have 12-year-olds out there voting. As it stands right now, though, uh, most people who are not radical leftists would say, now, probably, if, if I were to make a guess about what most people in the mainstream would think, everything I've said so far, many people in the mainstream would think that's too extreme, that's even horrific and horrible, how dare you, voting is a sacred right, and, and how dare you say these things. Uh, yet, I would also guess that most of those people would say that, well, sure, we're not going to have 12-year-olds vote. Why not, though? Why don't we have 12-year-olds vote? If, if you're not in favor of 12-year-olds voting, Why? It's, and don't, it's not enough to say, oh, they're minors. Okay, what does it have to do with anything? Who cares if they're minors? We call them minors, fine. But what is it about them that should exclude them from voting? Could I suggest what it might be? Um, I think it's that they're not productive contributing members, taxpaying members of society, and they don't know a damn thing about the system. They are ignorant and nonproductive. Now, when they're 12, that's not their fault. All 12-year-olds are that way. 12-year-olds are supposed to be that way. Um, but so if, if, if we exclude 12-year-olds on that basis, why shouldn't we exclude 32-year-olds on that basis? So if the 12-year-old, we say to the 12-year-old, you can't vote because you're ignorant and non-contributing. And then when they turn 18, even if they're still ignorant and non-contributing, we say, okay, you can vote now. Why? Why don't we just let them vote when they were 12 in that case? What's the difference? So I do think this is a discussion we should be having more often. Uh, and, and if we're going to be talking about uh, you know, problems with our voting system, rather than focusing all the time on voter fraud, voter fraud, voter fraud, uh, I think this is the real sort of fraud that's being perpetuated on our system. And we should be talking about it. All right, let's go to our five headlines. Historic moment this weekend, the SpaceX Dragon capsule made a water landing as the two astronauts uh, returned from the International Space Station after two months orbiting the Earth. 
This was probably the, this was, this was not probably, this was the first splashdown by American astronauts in 45 years, I believe. So you could check it out here. You see the footage. Um, that's got to be disconcerting. I mean, you know, among other things, I just, I, I, cause I think I get freaked out by landings just on a, a you know, a Delta flight from Chicago to Baltimore. Uh, that, that whole experience freaks me out being on a plane. I, I, I'm high anxiety on planes and everywhere else in, in life, to be honest, but especially landing. Um, so just imagine descending 250 miles from orbit and landing in the ocean with, in a big capsule with parachutes attached. Here's um, astronaut Doug Hurley expressing his thanks to the team, um, again, uh, getting understandably emotional after, after landing safely. safely. Listen to this. Go for SpaceX. Here we have our first view of yeah, Doug Hurley. I just would like to sort of reiterate what Bob said and add uh, my thanks to uh, everybody over the last several years that's either worked in Hawthorne, McGregor, or down at uh, Kennedy Space Center. Anybody who's touched Endeavor, uh, you should take a moment to just cherish this day, especially given all the things that have happened this year. Uh, we certainly can't thank you enough. Our families can't thank you enough. And, uh, just proud to be a small part of this whole effort to get a company, people to and from the space station. They can celebrate with each other. And we'll talk to you soon, hopefully in person. Thanks so much, Doug, and you're welcome. And, and thank you so much for those kind words. And we all wish you a safe journey home and a happy reunion with your family soon. And we look forward to seeing you in person as well. Got to think about the relief he must feel in getting out into the open air again. He was cooped up with other astronauts for two months. Now, granted, the ISS is pretty big. It's like equivalent to a five or six bedroom house. But even so, two months unable to leave, unable to, unable to go for a walk even, except a spacewalk, has to be uh, a challenge. Another interesting fact about the ISS that I just learned, and I'll, I'll mention it because I, I looked it up on Google, so I was curious. Um, I knew it traveled fast around the Earth. I didn't realize that it goes 17,000 miles an hour orbiting the Earth, orbiting the entire Earth every 90 minutes. So I'm guessing that's something you probably try not to think about when you're strapped up to a tether and walking around the outside of that thing. But I don't know. Uh, great story there. Number two, not so great story. The Boston Marathon bomber, Jokar uh, Cernayev, who murdered three people and wounded hundreds of others, just had his death sentence thrown out by a federal appeals court. Now it'll go back to the lower courts and this thing will drag on even longer. Uh, the reason for throwing it out, as reported by the AP, is that supposedly, quote, the judge who oversaw the case did not adequately screen jurors for potential biases. And, you know, this is why, so this guy's been, he committed his crime seven years ago, just throughout the death penalty sentence. This is why the way we handle the death penalty in modern America is absurd. You know, this guy, there's no question that he's guilty. He's confessed to it. There's no doubt about the guilt. In a case like that, mass killer, high profile, act of terrorism, no question about guilt, been convicted. Um, he should be taken out back and dispatched 30 minutes after the trial concludes. W what do we need all the appeals for? Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not sit idly in a jail cell for seven years or 27 years. Just take him right to the gallows. Take care of it with a rope or a firing squad. 
Cheap, easy, done. And that's justice. And I think it would also be a good thing for any potential future murdering scumbags to know that the moment they're convicted, they're dead. This isn't going to be 20 years of appeals. The moment you hear that we find the defendant guilty and then the sentencing happens, you're done for it. Um, kiss your mama goodbye because that's it. Maybe you know, they say that one of the people who oppose the death penalty will often argue that there's no deterrent factor with the death penalty. And I don't know if that's true or not. I'm, I'm not sure how you could even say one way or another because it requires you to look into the minds of, of killers and, and, and uh, determine whether they were deterred or not. I, I, I don't know if you can deter, really determine that. But if there is little deterring effect to the death penalty now, maybe there'd be a lot more of a deterring effect if it happened immediately after sentencing. And that way it becomes more real to the potential murdering scumbag. Just a thought. Three, speaking of federal courts making terrible decisions, you may recall the Supreme Court last month announcing that a huge swath of Oklahoma is actually somehow an Indian reservation. Um, what that means is that the state of Oklahoma can no longer prosecute crimes committed on this quote-unquote reservation. All of that now goes to the feds. Which means that a whole slew of violent criminals will now get to walk free as the feds sort through the mounds of paperwork and figure out what to do with all these new cases. The New York Times reports uh, one example of this, one of many. A woman named Kelsey Lip was sitting in jail charged with robbing and killing a man. In fact, she, here's what she did. She allegedly did. She lured a 25-year-old man named Dustin Barham into her apartment, allegedly, at which point he was robbed, shot, and, and then bled to death. Now she gets to go free for the time being because her public defender uh, was able to, to, to produce her tribal identification card. So because her distant ancestors lived in an Indian tribe, that means that she gets to, for now, get away with allegedly robbing and shooting and killing a man. Um, and this is, this is not an isolated case. Many violent criminals who are awaiting trial or, or who have already been convicted now stand to be released while the feds figure out how to handle this deluge of, of new cases. But, but this also can happen um, not just if the suspected criminal was a tribal member, but even if the victim was a tribal member. Here's a, another case from the article. It says, Dustin Dennis, who prosecutors said was not a tribal member, was charged with second-degree murder in July after his young son and daughter, Tegan, uh, age four, and Ryan, three, were found dead in his sweltering pickup. The children climbed into the car and were apparently overcome by the heat while Mr. Dennis slept, according to prosecutors. Um, Tulsa County prosecutors had to drop the case when it turned out that the children were Cherokee on their mother's side. Mr. Dennis was charged federally with child neglect, but the Tulsa District Attorney said it had been devastating to tell the children's mother he was dropping the case. So um, that might be a surprising aspect of this for people. I, was for me as well, that it's not just of the criminal, but even if a, if a, if a victim, a child, is a tribal member, then that means that their killer gets to, at least for the time being, walk free. Number four, Lena Dunham, um, my, my personal favorite actress, posted on Instagram revealing that uh, she had COVID a few months ago and she wanted to tell her story. And her, the reason to tell her story was to slap some sense into the, quote, careless people who do reckless and dangerous things like jog without face masks. That's what she's worried about. Because, yeah, imagine that. 
very reckless. You got to make sure you wear that face mask while you jog because, uh, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't want to contract COVID-19 while you're running down the street. I mean, there hasn't been any confirmed cases of that at all happening, but still, it could happen. So make sure you wear that face mask. Don't be reckless. But then Lena starts dramatically um, recounting her tale of sickness. And this is, this is what she says. Let me pull it up. I got sick with COVID-19 in mid-March. It started with achy joints, which I was unable to distinguish from my usual diagnoses, so I didn't freak out. But the pain was soon joined by an impossible crushing fatigue. Then a fever of 102. Suddenly, my body simply revolted. The nerves in my feet burned and muscles wouldn't seem to do their job. My hands were numb. I couldn't tolerate loud noises. I couldn't sleep, but I couldn't wake up. I lost my sense of taste and smell. A hacking cough like a metronome kept timing, kept uh, keeping time. Inability to breathe after simple tasks like getting a glass of water. Random red rashes, a pounding headache right between my eyes. It felt like I was a complex machine that had been unplugged and then had my wires rerouted into the wrong inputs. This was on. For, this went on for 21 days, days that blended into each other like a rave gone wrong. I was lucky enough to have a doctor who could offer me regular guidance on how to care for myself, and I never had to be hospitalized. This kind of hands-on attention is a privilege that is far too unusual in our broken healthcare system. I self-isolated with my pulse oximeter, uh, monitoring my levels. After a month, I tested negative for COVID-19. Was able to spend time around my isolation pot again. Uh, I couldn't believe how intense the loneliness had been in addition to the illness. Okay. And she goes on from there describing it. But I have to say, yeah, it sounds like she was, she was sick. Uh, very sick. And I'm glad she recovered. But most of what she recounted there in, in dramatic terms with creative analogies and metaphors and all of that also describes my experience with the flu, which I had back in February. Um, I was very sick for several days, had a fever considerably higher than 102, actually. And, um, and, uh, and I did have to go. I wasn't hospital. I wasn't admitted, but I did have to go to the hospital for it. And then I had symptoms that wiped me out. Uh, I was exhausted for like a month after that. Um, even after the fever went away, I, it's, it, it dragged on for weeks after that. I felt, I just felt kind of wiped out and, and not myself. My point is not that COVID is the flu. My point is that with COVID people, especially famous people, celebrities will tend to recount their experience with COVID in this over the top dramatic way, expressly to scare you. I mean, she admits that that's what she's trying to do. She wants to scare you into wearing a, a mask while you jog. So there's an agenda behind this. Um, and it's, it's, it's just, it's dishonest. I, I'm not, it's not dishonest. I'm not saying that she doesn't, she didn't have COVID. I believe she had COVID. I don't think she's, she's lying about that. But the story she's really telling here is a story of being pretty sick, not deathly sick, but pretty sick, 102, okay, for a little while, and then getting better. Okay, that's what actually happened. When you boil this down to the basics, it didn't have, doesn't happen that way for everybody. There are people who, I, there, there are many people who have died from it. There are people who get a lot more sick than that. There are people that get hospitalized. But the story she's telling, she was, she was pretty darn sick for a little while, then she got better. So why not say that? I mean, why the effort to turn this into a cinematic fight for your life? Well, again, we know why. Uh, she's clear about why. There's an agenda behind it, she, and, and she wants to scare you into behaving the way that she thinks you should behave. So we should just keep that in mind when we read these sorts of things. Finally, I want to show you this. This was posted by, speaking of dramatic, um, The Sun, a UK newspaper, 
posts some truly shocking footage. I mean, this is mind-bending, mind-blowing, mind-boggling, okay? All of that. You're not going to believe this. This, again, was posted by a news outlet, just to be clear. And they wanted to demonstrate how hot it's been in the UK. Apparently, they're in the middle of a, of a little uh, heat wave. And so they wanted to show how hot it's been. And this is the video that this news outlet posted. Watch. Wow. Whew. Amazing. It, it, it's, it's so hot that it melts ice cream if you keep the ice cream in the sun for 20 minutes. My God. I have never seen anything like that before. I, have, have you ever seen that? I have never seen ice cream. I've never heard of that. I have never heard of, of that happening. I didn't know that that... You're telling me that if you bring an ice cream cone out into the... Heat in the summer, in July, August now? You're telling me it will melt? Melt? Really? Uh, just absolutely amazing. Truly, global warming is going to kill us all. And our ice cream, even worse. So that's, um, that's pretty big news. Just wanted to share that with you. We're going to go to our daily cancellation. Before we do, if you're not a Daily Wire All Access member, you know you're really missing out. All Access is our most exclusive membership tier featuring behind-the-scenes access to us, your podcast hosts, as well as writers and special guests. All Access members are also given uh, early access to new Daily Wire products. And as part of that, I'm excited to announce our brand new limited count collector's edition baseball bat in collaboration with Pillbox Bat Company. Um to be honest with you, they want me to talk here about why baseball is the greatest sport. I just, I feel, I, football's the greatest sport, just to be clear. In my opinion, I can't, I cannot defy um, what I know to be true. But baseball's also uh, the great American pastime. There's no denying that. And this, uh, this, this collector's edition um, uh, baseball bat is something you really need. It's handcrafted here in the U.S. and emblazoned with the Daily Wire logo. And this uh, run of bats will each be engraved with the individual number in the order they were, pro they were produced from 1 to 100. These bats are currently only being offered to our all-access membership tier. So join our upgrade now before they're all gone. All-access members also get to participate in all-access live where one of our Daily Wire hosts hangs out with you for a live discussion. Yesterday was a very special live stream. We just talked about the SpaceX uh, landing Daily Wire's own Jeremy Boring. Watched the return of the SpaceX Dragon Capsule and crew with all access members. Hosted a discussion uh, with them afterwards. That was very interesting. So you get a lot of really just special content like that too. So if you're not an all access member, head over to dailywire.com slash Walsh to get your two, yes, two leftist tiers tumblers and 20% off with coupon code ACCESS right now. That's dailywire.com slash Walsh. Okay, um, today for our daily cancellation, we're going to be canceling, I'm not sure who gets it here exactly. It's uh, the mayor of D.C. maybe, the, the city of D.C., D.C. cops. I guess everyone. We'll just cancel everyone uh, because of this. Watch. This is our constitutional right. We do this every Saturday. Let me just tell you now that it's going to be new. Stopping. You're going to be placed under arrest for the basic property. We do this every Saturday. Okay. 
continue talking, you're going to be placed under arrest. Okay. You know they do this every Saturday, right? Every okay. Saturday. This is completely public property. I majored in political science. Every Saturday, people are here talking, and you're taking somebody, young people, and arresting them because they're simply putting free black freeborn lives matter. You gotta be joking. You gotta be absolutely joking that you would take young people that are simply putting on a sidewalk chalk that they are standing for preborn black lives. You absolutely have to be joking. We're standing in front of an abortuary where they kill children every day. And you're taking young people away to, to the police department because they're simply putting chalk on a sidewalk. What you watched there was, uh, those are students for, for um, students for life in DC. They were attempting to write black preborn lives matter in chalk on the sidewalk in front of a Planned Parenthood butcher shop. They were arrested for it. Now, as was pointed out by the pro-lifers on the scene, this is especially egregious given the fact that other groups, the other groups being, of course, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, have been painting all over everything with little in the way of repercussions. Let's just run through here uh, some of the um, artwork that the BLM folks have, have defaced the city with. So you can see all of that there. The rich aren't safe anymore. Uh, F Donald Trump, A cab, of course George Floyd, F the government. Why do we have to keep telling you Black Lives Matter? Well, you don't actually. Just I'll answer that question. I don't know if it's rhetorical or not, but uh, you don't have to keep telling us that. As for why you do keep telling us that, I can't explain. Maybe you have. Uh, maybe there's some kind of. Maybe you have Tourette's or something. I don't know. But you don't have to keep telling us that because we all know. We all agree. Everyone agrees, fortunately. Okay, it's, it's a great thing. It's a universal agreement in the United States um, on, on that point. Now, the fact that black preborn lives matter or that any preborn life matters, that is something that does have to be said. That is a reminder that is actually necessary because preborn people are legally killed by the thousands, the hundreds of thousands in this country every year. So, yes, that is something that does need to be said. In any case, you see what BLM has been doing. Permanent markings, often on buildings. Compare that with chalk on the sidewalk. Who gets arrested here? We haven't even gotten to the most egregious example yet. Speaking of defacing public property, here's some defacement commissioned by the mayor herself. Black Lives Matter spray painted across two entire city blocks. Now, you, you, you compare the side by side here. On one hand, you've got pro-life message written in chalk in tiny letters on one little slab of the sidewalk. On the other, you have Black Lives Matter spray painted in huge, ugly yellow letters across two city blocks right down the middle of the street. One is illegal and will get you arrested. The other was not only sanctioned by the, by the mayor, but commissioned by her. And just so you know, if you might say, well, if the mayor says it, it's okay. The mayor actually does not have the authority to spray paint her preferred political messages all over the city while arresting anyone who, who uses the same medium, actually a less intrusive medium and less permanent medium, to express their own preferred political message. This is called viewpoint discrimination. It is ridiculously unconstitutional. You cannot do this. 
I should say, it's not legal to do this. They can do it because they're doing it. Um, And this is the advantage that you have as a leftist. Your views are codified, protected, um, you know, uh, you, you, you you can... Get away with crimes as as you are expressing your views, as long as they are the correct views. While if you're not a leftist, you can be arrested for expressing your own views in a in a much less intrusive way and much less destructive way. We should add, leftist privilege is the real issue in modern America, not white privilege. And this is just the latest exhibit of that. And that's why everyone involved, except for the pro-life advocates, are uh, canceled. And we will wrap it up there. Thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Top Democrats strategize on stealing the election. Representative John Lewis's funeral highlights political double standards, and AOC attacks a saint. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.